0: Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influencers Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influencers.church. And now for our message. Can you believe Easter was a week ago? Seven days ago, we were celebrating Easter Sunday and next week it's Christmas. Like this is just a crazy year. And um, I love that as we came last week, And we were filled with faith and we were excited. And let's be as excited about the word this week as we were last week. Because who knows, last Sunday was Resurrection Sunday. But it's not once a year Resurrection Sunday, it's every day we get to live this out, amen. But Easter is a celebration not just that God gave us a gift, not just that we know Jesus, but what God wants us to know to fully understand Christianity. To fully understand salvation, you have to know the message of Easter and the message of Jesus is one of freedom. Everyone say freedom. This is all about freedom. God didn't just come to heal you, but gave you freedom from sickness to be free from sin, free from captivity, free from shame. The story of Easter is not just Jesus going into a cave. It's a message of Him coming out of a cave. And I want to tell you today, I know God is wanting me to help call some people out of their caves today. Are you ready to get out of your cave? Come on, are you ready to get out of your cave today? The message of Easter is not just thank Jesus that He came out of a cave. It's that you can have freedom from your cave as well. See, from the very beginning, when Jesus began to preach, as he goes and opens the word for the first time publicly, why does he have to, in that moment, go to the book of Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah? Well, Luke shows us that Jesus' message wasn't just to announce himself, but his mission. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Everyone say, The Spirit of the Lord. <laughs> Let's just keep it up for a moment. Can I just say to you, tonight, I, I love that you're here, Aunt and I get we all live busy lives but tonight we're just gonna make room for the power of the Holy Spirit to flow. When is you gonna go in and say, just God rain on me, let your presence come on me, let your spirit fill me up afresh? Uh, I can't say we do a five o'clock service for this reason. We know you're busy, we know there's very important Netflix shows to watch and MasterChef and all that. We know know, your kids don't have school tomorrow. Uh, um, But can I just say, these next two weeks, if you don't normally come at night, can I ask you as a church, Come and just get filled up with the Holy Ghost afresh. When the Bible says you are to be filled, that word "filled" there in Acts one is not just filled; it's the word for ongoingly and repeatedly filled up, filled up. Why? Because we pour out, we leak, and we weren't just meant to get in a touch when Rodney came through 30 years ago or Benny came through 40 years ago. But the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same Holy Spirit that flows and moves today in power. How and say as Pastor Tony brings the word and the worship team make room. You come hungry. You come empty, just saying, fill me up, God. I promise you the Holy Spirit will touch you, anoint you and fill you with power. I don't wanna just have a church that goes through the motions, does robotic services. I want a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. I want miracles, signs and wonders. I want Him to come and disrupt our norm and do something supernatural. Come on, are you hungry for more of God, church? It doesn't come from hoping or knowing or believing. It comes from positioning and saying, God, in my life too. So five o'clock, we'll be done by 6.30. That's the plan. Unless the Holy Spirit does it, then blame Him, not me. But just come and let yourself soak tonight. Amen? So where were we? Christmas next week. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. What was the good news? It was He has sent me to proclaim freedom. Everyone say freedom. Freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Everyone say free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, Jesus didn't come just to rescue you, Jesus came to set you free. God's plan, too many Christians know salvation, but they don't live in freedom. Too many people know salvation, but they don't know freedom. Too many people get saved and then get stuck in religious activities, but don't know what it is to live in freedom. Today, I believe God's gonna help some people get set free. Are you good? Goes in John chapter eight, if you abide in the Word, and if you are truly my disciples, you would know the truth and the truth will set you free. He goes on and says, truly, truly. It's like when you're talking to your kids. You're like, no, no, you're not getting this. Seriously, seriously. Hey, hey, listen, listen. Jesus is saying to you and me, truly, truly. I say to you, anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Can an honest moment, a very non-judgmental moment? Who sins here? Just lift your head. I'm not alone. That's good. Except for you. Well done. Okay, but the rest of us, we sin. So he, that, he's saying we're slaves to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The sun remains forever. So if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Why do we need to know truth? Why are we free indeed? Because the Bible says we're slaves to sin. And while so many people think, if I just have what everyone else has, If I live like everyone else, young person, your temptation is to think, if I can just experience what everyone else experiences, then I'll have freedom. It's the great lie of the enemy. The truth is, when we want what everyone else has, it actually puts us in captivity, not freedom. It makes us stuck. It makes us unable to live the free life God has. It's the great trick of the enemy. He thinks what the world has as freedom actually makes you free. It actually puts you in prison. It actually limits you and restricts you. He puts us in isolation. The enemy's great plan is to push, if you get saved, to push you back into your cave so that you may live saved but not free and you only have a partial part of what God has for your life. Last year, my wife and I took our boys to Queensland for a holiday. And uh, after a big year, we thought just five days away would be really nice. And the moment we land in Queensland, there was the Pizzagate thing that was going on in South Australia. And we were locked in a home for five days. It was not our home. It had no Wi-Fi. It had no television. It had no coffee except for Nescafe blend 43, whatever it is that people will have in hell. And if you, if you like it, if you like it, it's Come tonight and we'll pray for you. Uh, Five o'clock, there's no school tomorrow. And and, and we were stuck for for five days anyway, in in isolation. And then we, so this last week, the week before Easter, I had to go preach in Brisbane and and the Sunshine Coast and thought, it's never gonna happen again. And I get there and I preach on Friday and Saturday and Sunday and then Shans flies up and doesn't go to Brisbane, goes to meet me in the Sunshine Coast because I'm there and why not have a day together? And as we wake up the morning, we wake up to the news alert that there was a community transfer in Brisbane and now Shans and I again in Queensland have to go into two days isolation. Would you believe it? Then we come home and the government said... Well, were you in Brisbane? No. Well, you're fine. The point of meet government, the people that were helping us, wonderful people, they were. And said to me, were you in Brisbane? Yeah, I was in Brisbane for a day. Well, you're in 14 days isolation. They then said, if you could just go home in different cars, stay in different parts of the house, not connect or talk to anyone, that would be okay. So I said, where do I get my bags from? And they're like, oh, where everyone else gets their bag from. I'm like, doesn't matter, does it? It's okay. And... and I'll tell you, Pastor Jane, when Pastor Jane had to do 14 days quarantine to come to Australia, she went to the mountaintop and spent time with Jesus. She's a better person than me. I, I just, like, I couldn't, I didn't know how to handle it. I just didn't know how to be myself. I've never made more phone calls, done more Zoom meetings. I did more jobs around the house. Sean's loved it. Girls, if your husband doesn't help around the house, send them to Brisbane. And they'll come home and there's nothing to do except stuff. I struggled. I found it hard. Now people want to know my travel itinerary. So if I go north, they go south. So I go to Perth, they go to Melbourne. It's very hurtful. Yeah, we're not meant to live in isolation. You're not meant to live alone. You're meant to live in free. We were made to live in freedom, but I gotta tell you, too many Christians think they know freedom because they know Jesus, but they don't live in freedom. There's some good signs of freedom. Let me give you some of them. If you're free, if you're truly free in Jesus, you have a joy unspeakable. I'll tell you, too many Christians know God but don't live in joy. And grumpy Christians give God a bad witness. Hey, we are called to live in joy. And joy is not that everything's good in life, it's that whatever's going on, I've got the one who is good. And therefore I have joy, a joy that's so, uh, I ha- wh- how do you describe this joy? Well, it's a joy unspeakable. I can't even explain it. I can't even teach you how to have it. But can I say when you may know Jesus but you don't have joy, a sadness follows you. You don't understand it, but you've been living sad. You want the joy other people have. And in fact, sometimes that leads us to judge the joy that other people have or, 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 or think it's not real, the joy that other people have. But Kato, you, you may know Jesus, but if you have a sadness that has followed you for too long, we don't know freedom. Do you know what joy looks like? Joy looks like free worship. Joy doesn't look like singing songs on a Sunday. Joy looks like freedom in worship. <laughs> Again, we can go through the motions, but that doesn't mean we've got Freedom. See, the opposite to having freedom in worship is dry. Sometimes we just feel dry. And it's a sign, not that you're a bad person, but that you're a person. Because we all have these moments. And what we've got to do is not just get our worship back, we've got to get freedom back. And that will lead us to have free worship. How do you know you're truly free? Is that you you worship at home. You worship in the morning, you worship at night. And when you come into church, you can't help but have a freedom on the inside of you that it's shown on the outside of you because I'm free in Jesus. How do you know you have freedom? Because you laugh. God created us to laugh. You know what's one of those beautiful things about a child that doesn't know captivity or bondage or limitation is that kids know how to laugh. I say, we've got to get our laugh back because if we don't have that too some of us, we're so serious. And life is serious, but if there's, God is good and He fills us with joy and we've got peace and hope and healing, we have the ability to laugh. None of this is to condemn you today, it's to try and help you. Maybe some of us have not lived as free as God has for us to live. Do you know what freedom looks like? It looks like generosity. Do you know, if you can, have not, you can not have a lot of money but still have a generous spirit because you're so free in your finances, but I know some people that have a lot of money but don't live a generous life because that money has them and they're not actually free. They're held captive by it. Some people are not generous with their time or their encouragement. And the truth is, we're looking for someone to encourage me, but I'm stuck in my cave not being able to see my way out of here is to encourage and give time to others. See, freedom means I can be free with my encouragement. I can be free with my time. I can be free with my finances. I, 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 but sometimes when we live tight, when there's no room, When there's no space, we're not actually living free. We're saved, but not living free. Are you doing okay this morning? What does free look like? What freedom looks like, yes. When you're free, you're able to say yes. You're able to say yes to things you don't even know how they're gonna work out. You're able to say yes to places where you're stepping out in faith. But you know what, when you're not free, is when you're so full that there's no room to say yes or hurt so much that you can't say yes. Or worried that you can't say yes. Life is full, but the moment life is so full that you're no longer able to live with your yes, you no longer live free. See, what happens is we get conditioned to captivity. We've all heard about it, but you know, the, the elephant that at a young age gets a chain around their neck, their neck, their leg, and, and over time, as the elephant grows, it grows larger and stronger than the chain that is holding it captive, but there's a mindset in that elephant that keeps it restricted by the smallness of the chain, even though the elephant is so much bigger than what holds it captive. And too many Christians, while set free from Jesus, still live with an old mindset, an old way of thinking that holds us limited and captive, and we actually end up being conditioned to captivity by our old mindsets that keep us limited. See, Galatians 5 verse 1 says... For freedom, get this, everyone say, for freedom. Christ has set us free. Now, it feels like it's repeated itself. No, it hasn't. Why did Christ set you free? For freedom. He didn't just set you free to be better. He didn't just set you free to rescue you. He freed you for freedom. The end goal of God's plan for your life here on earth is saved, absolutely, but beyond that is that you would live in freedom. So He set you free, not that you would then get caught in everything else that holds us captive. He set you free so you would live in freedom. Therefore, stand firm and do not submit again. Everyone say again. Don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. The truth is, we were slaves to sin before Jesus. But once we find Jesus, the yoke of slavery tries to grab a hold of me and keeps me limited and restricted. again. So what happens is our old mentalities are like the riptide that drag us back to our old ways. It's like the vortex that pulls us back to our old thinking and how the rest of the world thinks. So Jesus says, for freedom I have set you free, but make sure therefore you don't submit again, everyone say again, to the yoke of slavery. So what we do is we have high moments with God. We have Easter Sunday. He's alive, I'm saved, I'm whole. And by Monday, we're living in our old life again. We have moments where we're prayed for and we're healed and restored and we're feeling good, but in just a short amount of time, we go back to our cave, we go back to our tent. And why? Not because you're a bad person, just because you're human. See, Abraham had miracle after miracle, but when God went to find him, where was he? He was stuck inside of his tent. And Elijah had called down fire from heaven and, and, and destroyed the prophets of Baal and God used him amazing. And he stood on the edge of the mountain and he saw the cloud the size of a man's hand and he prophesied that the drought was over and there would be rain. And he ran back faster than the king's, king's chariots. He was an incredible man of God, winning in life and one word from a defeated enemy and he runs back into his cave. Samson, was a man used by God in so many ways. And there is one point where to destroy his enemy, Samson captures 300 foxes. Get this, he captures 300 foxes. Who can catch 300 foxes and put them somehow in captivity and ties torches into their tails so that they would run into their enemy's fields and burn all the crops up and destroy them? I mean, how does God use a man to catch 300 foxes? I literally have only ever caught 36 at one time. And 300 of these God uses, and he has this massive victory and then freaks out and runs into a cave. Jesus rises again. Peter sees this, but even though he's seen the resurrected Christ, he goes back to his boat. The truth is, is that while we live knowing God, we still have life, which is tough. See, Abraham, even though he was winning, was bar- him and his wife were barren. And barrenness pushes you, a season without pushes you back into your tent. And Elijah, and I, and I mean this, I'm touching this today Elijah had, was struggling with mental pressures, pressures of the mind, anxiety, worry, fear. And even though he was winning, those things are real and it pushes him back into his cave. And Samson was Samson's own failings. While everyone else saw Samson's strength, all Samson saw was his own weakness and it pushed him back into his cave. And Peter, even though he saw Jesus and knew Jesus saved by Jesus, Peter's disappointment in himself pushes him back to his past. See, you can know Jesus and you can know the faithfulness of God and still live without joy and still live without worship, and still live without laughter, and still live without that yes spirit, and still live without generosity. And God's plan is not that you would just know Him, but that you would live free. I mean, why does Elijah run? Let's go to Elijah for a moment. Elijah has all these incredible victories in God. Elijah is the prophet. Elijah is the one everyone aspires to. Elijah is God's man. But why does Elijah run back into a cave? Anxious, depressive, struggling, suicidal. Because it's real. Well, the truth is, Elijah was emotionally, mentally, and spiritually exhausted. Was he a bad leader for that? No, that's life. That happens. Elisha was emotionally, mentally, spiritually exhausted. He'd been pouring out. The next thing I noticed about Elijah is, Elijah was alone. Can I tell you, when you are alone, the enemy comes for you. And the enemy tries to push you back to a safe place because you focus on your isolation. Elijah was not only exhausted, Elijah was alone. Elijah, because he was alone, began to feel pretty sorry for himself. He saw his situation, he saw his loneliness, he saw that he was not appreciated, and Elijah starts to feel sorry for himself. Elijah was discouraged, Well, how do I know he was discouraged? Well, firstly, no one encouraged. And the only person that spoke to him was a defeated woman that told him that I was going to kill you by the end of the day. So he was therefore discouraged and it caused him to run. And Elijah, finally, because Elijah was exhausted and Elijah was alone and Elijah felt sorry for himself and Elijah was discouraged, Elijah began to listen to his feelings. He began to think they were real. I don't know about you, but I can relate to some of those things. Over time, I can look at what I don't have in my life, and I can relate to how Elijah feels, and I wonder, have I run into my cave at times too? And the reality is, he was winning when all this was happening. Him and God were good when all this was happening, but the reality is, even though we're good with God, we can run to places that are not healthy. See, Easter is over, and we run back to our hidden places. Easter, we're cheering and we're celebrating. If I can, Easter, we probably get across our church another thousand people that come and worship God. But by the next week, we're back into our cave and doing normal life. You see, maybe we don't run into a physical cave, but we run to an emotional cave. We run to caves of depression, we run to caves of isolation, that when we get hurt and disappointed we retreat and if we're honest we find a cave that feels safe for us. We find caves of imbalance, we find caves of hiding away because it feels okay. We find caves of consuming and where I'm just looking after me for the moment and we find caves of busyness. And we think those caves are gonna protect us but those caves are unhealthy. I'll tell you a few things about caves. Not much of a cave expert, but I do know. I've been in a couple of caves in my time. Do you know the first thing I know about caves? Is that they're dark. And in caves, you don't have clear vision. See, the problem is when we run and we isolate and we hide and we retreat and we protect ourselves and we have a victorious moment. I'm not saying we're bad people. We're just people. And we have a great moment with God and then we, life happens and we retreat back. You don't have clear vision in those moments because caves are dark not only are caves dark and therefore you have little vision because you can't see you are led by your feelings so therefore when the bible says don't don't listen don't trust your heart guard your heart it says don't listen to those feelings because we can't see clearly we end up being led by our feelings in a cave because you can't see others you're isolated and there's no connection and in a cave there's no fresh wind in a cave, there's no fresh air. And the place we go to to protect ourselves stops us from seeing clearly, leads us to being led by our feelings, disconnects us from others, and there there's no fresh leading and fresh sense of the Holy Spirit. See, Joshua 10 tells this story. Maybe just make can come and join me. Joshua 10, he takes on five armies. Him and the Israelites take on five armies. And of these five armies, there were five kings. And these five kings, to protect themselves and ensure they kept on surviving and going, felt intimidated, felt uh, that they were under attack because they were. These five kings run and hide in a cave. Well, Joshua hears that these five kings have run into a cave. So what he does, he gets a large stone and he rolls a large stone in front of the cave, trapping them right there. See, church, you have to be careful because the hiding places we go to will now be transformed into a prison. You see, if you retreat and hide for long enough, the cave will become a prison. The places we go to that we think are protecting ourselves and protecting my mind and protecting my money and protecting my feelings, protecting my emotions, the very places we run to that we hide in eventually become a prison. So after a while, Joshua calls them out. And what he does is he hangs those five kings And once those kings are weak and dead, he takes those bodies and he throws them back into the cave. So notice this, if you don't come out of a place of past hurt, it will become a prison. And if you stay there long enough, it won't just be a prison, it will become a grave. Let me say it again, because I think it's good. (laughs) If you don't come out of that place of past hurt, it will eventually become a prison. And if you stay long enough, that prison will become a grave. See, if you don't let go of what happened, that cave becomes a grave, and eventually that grave becomes a pr- that, that pr- becomes a prison, and that prison becomes a grave. If you stay alone for long enough, that place of protection becomes a prison, and that prison becomes a grave. If unforgiveness sticks with you and pushes you back to a place where you don't live with a yes, and you don't live with joy, and you don't live with laughter, and all you can do is look to the past, eventually that place that looks like self-protection becomes a prison, and that prison becomes a grave. If you are living safe or just holding on to the things of the world. Those things called us captive. Those things hold us limited and restricted. If you live hurt and hurt is real or you sin and therefore you live in shame, that shame causes you to live in a prison and eventually that prison becomes a grave to God's purposes and plans and dreams for your life. Don't retreat, don't run, don't hide. God didn't call you to live saved and then bound up. He called you to live saved and free. It was for freedom He set you free. It was for freedom that He set you free. God has more. God has more for you than what you know right now. Your past wasn't your best days. The new wine's meant to be at the end, not at the beginning. But i tell you this one thing about Abraham. He's that God had a plan and a promise for Abraham and it was shown in the stars. But the only way Abraham could get to his promise is he had to get out of his tent. God didn't pull him out of his tent. Abraham had to come out of his tent. And Elijah, Elijah wasn't forced out of his tent. Elijah had to listen to the voice of God and step out himself. And Samson, well, for Samson, God's people had to come and get Samson. The Israelites came to get Samson, but do you know they didn't grab Samson? They asked Samson to come out. The truth is Samson had to get out of his own cave. And when Jesus comes to to Peter on the boat, Jesus doesn't swim out to Peter. Peter has to swim to Jesus. Some of us have been in caves and places of safety and security for so long and we're waiting for someone to pull me out. We're waiting for the church to get me out. We're waiting for a prophet or another person to come and get me out. I wanna tell you God's people, God's voice, God's love is calling you out, but you have to step out yourself. You have to take the step. You have to decide and recognise that you're living in not the fullness and freedom that God has for your life because in God's kindness, He never forces Abraham, But the only way Abraham could see the stars is if Abraham was to step. So you might be here and you might go, but I am sick and I am hurt and I am chained up. I tell you, Paul was actually literally chained up, yet he was totally free. Paul knew what it was to live in chains, yet talks more about joy than anyone in the Bible. Paul understands what it is to live in freedom, wrote about freedom, taught about freedom, encouraged freedom, pointed to freedom because while Paul lived the most literal bound up, beaten, restricted, hunted after life of anyone, he knew what it was to be free, but there are some people that live totally free but are totally bound up in spirit. See, what did Elijah do? See, the thing about Elijah, he, number one, Elijah listens to the small voice. Sometimes we're waiting for this big thing to happen. Big moment, big answer. It's funny how God was always speaking, but Elijah just had to listen. And Elijah had to listen to the small voice of the Holy Spirit. There was so much noise going on. So much volume going on, so much gear going on. He wasn't in the, it wasn't in the thunder and it wasn't in the fire and it wasn't in the wind. And sometimes there's so much noise going on in our life of disappointment and the past and history and frustration. All we can hear is the noise and all we're doing is retreating further and further back. But eight, But Elijah tuned his ear to the still quiet voice of the Holy Spirit. And it's there, what did Elijah do? Elijah changed his position because while he was in the cave and God could go get him, Elijah had to choose to step into the freedom that was given to him. Church, he can only heal what you reveal. It's only when you present yourself with all my wounds and my scars and my hurts, God can really begin the healing work in you. Praise is not found where I am. Praise is about who I am in Him and where I position myself and where I position my lips and where I position my faith, not based on my experiences or feelings about what God says to me. See, God can only show you your next when you position yourself for your next. This is why you need the Word of God. The Word of God is a lamp to my feet. When do you need a lamp? You need a lamp when you're in a dark cave. Because if I'm in light, if I'm okay, I've got the Word, but it's the, the lamp of God, the Word of God is most effective when I am in a dark cave and a lamp to my feet, step by step, He's calling me out to freedom. I shall know the truth and the truth shall set me free. He came to set me, on the child of God. I'm healed, I'm whole. I don't feel it, but I'm not listening to my feelings. I'm not listening to my disencouragement. I'm not listening to my weariness. I'm not listening to my exhaustion. I'm getting the Word of God and I'm getting people around me and I'm taking a step and I'm... I'm gonna position myself where God can speak into my life. I don't put it up just yet, but what does God say to him at that point? When he listens to the voice and he repositions himself, does God go, Elijah, you should know better? Does He say, Elijah, come on, fix the mind. Elijah, you man of little faith. No, He knows Elijah's human. Do you know what God and all of His grace says? We'll put it up. Says, when Elijah heard it, he heard, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out. He positioned and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He loves you so much and he understands all the frustrations and restrictions and life and difficulty that comes. And he hasn't come to say you've got it wrong, he's just come to pull you out of your cave. He's come to set you free. And in his graciousness and his kindness, you know, this is the word he says to you today. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you living in your tent, Elijah? Why are you living in the dark, Elijah? Why are you restricted and sad and limited? And why are you living with a no Elijah? Where's your joy, Elijah? Okay, why are you living here, Elijah? It's time to come out again. What are you doing here? What I love about Elijah, the very next thing he does, he gets around others, he finds his Elisha. Because if you're gonna walk into restoration, you can't do it alone. (laughs) See, in John 11, there is another grave. There is another cave and there is another stone. And inside of this cave with a stone rolled in front of it was a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus was bound up. Uh, And this, he was, by, by his death's clothes, his hands and his bodies were bound. Because this is a picture of now the new Joshua. There was the old Joshua that had the old kings bound up, but now there is a new one bound up. But this time there is a different Joshua. And this Joshua doesn't come and leave him in there, but this Joshua comes and he says, move away the stone. Even though everyone says he's too far, gone, even though everyone said his situation stinketh, even though he knows what it is to die on the inside and die on the outside, there is a new Joshua that says, Lazarus! What are you doing in here? I've got more for your life. You think this is the end of your story? You think I can't rise dead things? You think this is how it ends? You think just because I didn't turn up when you thought I should turn up that this is the end of it? Lazarus, what are you doing here? It's the same God with the same message. So He speaks with authority. Lazarus, come out. And I just feel God saying to some people here today that know the love of God but have retreated and gone back into their tent and gone back into their boat and gone back into the cave. And He's saying, come out. Roll the stone away. Take the death clothes off. You're not about to die. The enemy has put you here, but He will not restrict you longer. You will not be intimidated longer. You are not stuck here any longer. It's time. Come on, stand to your feet. It's time to trust again. And it's time to lead again. It's time to worship again. It's time to run again. It's time to be free again. The one who the sun sets free is free indeed. He set you free. Why? So that you could know freedom. We know salvation. But what if there's more? What if that is just the beginning of a life to the full that we're wondering how do I access it? Or how do I get lucky enough to experience it? You have it in Jesus. It's just time to stop living in the limitation and restriction that the world pulls us into. He's saying, come out. He is the resurrection and the life. Which is why at Easter Sunday, when Jesus walked out of that cave, an angel said to Mary, who went looking back in another cave, a Mary who easily could have gone into the cave of disappointment and into the cave of depression and to the cave of frustration. But there is an angel that says, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He is not here, but He is risen. And from that point onwards, because Jesus got out of that cave, you can get out of your cave. Stop looking for life where there are dead things. Stop Stop looking for living amongst the past hurts and the past frustrations and the past disappointments. He caused you to rise. He caused you to come out, to move away the stone, to take off the death clothes, to come out of that grave. He's saying to you, what are you doing here? What are you doing back there? I've called you to laugh, I've called you to sing, I've called you to rejoice, I've called you to be whole. It's time to come out and because of an empty cave, we remembered last Sunday, there is still an empty you can remember this Sunday, which means come on, Lazarus, come out. Church, come out. What are you doing here? He's got life. He's got it to the full. He's your healer. He's your provider. He's your saviour. He's your victorious banner. You just got to grab a hold of it. The world is saying if you go back there, you'll know freedom. But there is a greater freedom that is found came to set the captives free. Don't look for the living amongst the dead, for there is a living God that's calling you to more, to more, to more. Hello, thank you so much for watching this video today. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.